Welcome to the Memorial Sermon Podcast. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your walk with God and drive you closer to Jesus. For more information about our church, visit mbcmetairie.org. Now, here's this week's message. All right. If you've got your Bible, I want you to pull it out. We are going to be in the book of Acts. And uh, hopefully you were able to get a set of notes on your way in. Just remember, if you're joining with us online, or if you didn't happen to pick up some notes, you can always look them up. They're going to be on our website. Um, You can get those in the worship section of our website. So you can get those notes, and they will have all the answers in there. And we want to, of course, welcome those who are joining with us online. If you're just now making it with us, we're glad that you're with us. We would love for everyone, whether you're here today present, or if you're watching with us online, we we all always just love to hear from you so make sure that you comment below and share our worship service with some folks and that's the way that we can get more of of God's word out with others give us a thumbs up we greatly appreciate that I, I want to kind of fill in real quick of, of something that, that we're, that we're going to be doing that, that's brand new. On your way in, you're able to get a, a sheet that looks like this and, you, and now now listen to me I don't do this often okay it has the answers from today all right So I've already stolen my own thunder, okay? So if you miss one, that's your own fault, okay? But this has the the blanks that we'll be filling in today. I want to kind of give you an update on on what we've been doing. Um, Our our 222 classes, we do believe, are the future of our church. We believe that we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This has just been a crazy year. And with everything that's been going on, uh, it's been difficult to start those classes. We felt like it's kind of been start, stop, start, stop. So we are going to, to start all of our 222 classes. They are structured discipleship classes. If you don't know, we, you know, we want you to go all the way through them. If you miss a class, we encourage you to make it back up, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but we needed something that we could do together um, that maybe someone missed or maybe someone got started late. And so what you can now do on our website is, is I've taken our sermon. It's as simple as that. And, and we've taken our sermon, the sermon notes, and we've developed some questions. And so I want you to be thinking this week of who you might be able to go grab lunch with who you might be able to go grab coffee with. This takes no preparation whatsoever. Not any. Not, no preparation. You don't even have to come to the sermon. I didn't say that, okay? But it takes no preparation whatsoever. You can meet with someone. Now, this first week, I'm going to give it to you. And then the following weeks, all you got to do is get on our website on your phone, and you can pull it up. It's right there. It's so easy. So I want to encourage you to do that. Be thinking of some people that, that you can just get together. I know some of the ladies were doing the table. I know some of y'all were getting together on some Wednesdays and watching The Chosen. This can give you an opportunity to get together with some friends and study God's word and to share your time together. Now, some of y'all remember way back when, when we had a building in the back that is not our new building. Do some of y'all remember that? And uh, you may remember that we, that we built our new gym in middle school out in the backfield, but before that we had this other building. I want to tell you a little bit about it. We had two used army barracks that were there for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. It's what they called temporary space. That's what we call it, it's a temporary space. And so I got here, and that building, it's an understatement to say that it had all 
kinds of issues, things, all kinds of issues that were going on. And as I was thinking about this, Mr. Riggs, I was thinking about everyone loves a new building, don't they? Everyone loves fresh new building, new paint. I love walking in. You have that new, you know how you have that new car smell? There's a new building smell, and you can actually go back there, and, 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 and we give towards it. It's exciting. It's fun. But the thing that has to happen is that in order for that building to go up, another building had to be torn down. I actually think I got a little video of that. I was, I was so emotional that day about that building coming down, that temporary building coming down. So I, I took a little bit of video. Do we have that, Jim, that we could just kind of put up on the screen? Yeah. And so anyway, yeah. And so I actually went out there, and I said, this is such a, a big moment for, for our church. And some of y'all have some, uh, you know, had so many memories in that building. But we knew going in, in order for us to build something new, that it was... It was going to be time-consuming. It was going to be expensive. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I just prayed for lightning. I said, God, just strike this thing, you know, so that we can, so that we, you know, we can't light it on fire, you know, so it, act of God, you know. But he never chose to do that. And so uh, so there was, there was an expense that was there. There was so many things. And the, the truth remained that we just couldn't build something fresh and new we also had to tear down what existed. And I want you all to be able to see that. As you look up here on your screen, you can see there is a, a process of tearing down the old so that we could, as we felt God's will, of moving into the new. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. You have them there in your notes. I want to talk about missions because that's what we're going to be looking at, the journeys of Paul and how missions is tearing down the devil's work. As believers, we want to share with a lost and dying world. I want to share. I want to share his love. Isn't it good to share God's love? Isn't it good to share God's grace? Isn't it good to share God's redemption? Those are the things that, it's, that, that are primary, that it's all about. But this so easily slips our minds. And it's imperative. Listen to me. It is imperative that we keep this in the back of our minds. That while we share the love, grace, and redemption of God, we are simultaneously tearing down the work of the devil. Did you realize that? If I'm going to share my faith, I'm also, I am simultaneously tearing down the work of the devil. And let me tell you something. He can't stand it. He's going to oppose it. When he's got his talents in a person or an organization, sometimes even for decades, he's not going to take it lying down. And, and when believers in Christ, when they begin to disrupt that, you know, as many of y'all know, we're going to put it up here on the screen, Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about our struggle. It talks about what we're really going through. It's not people. It says, for our struggles, not against flesh and blood. So many times when I feel like I've got a conflict with someone, I'm thinking, this, well, this is flesh and blood. But the Bible says it's not flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. It's the devil and his demons, all of those things. And then after that, you, as many of y'all know, it, this passage goes on to talk about the armor of God. And what it reminds us is the sobering truth that two things are going on. That as we are sharing light, 
And as we are sharing life with a lost world, that we have the opposition of dark spiritual forces. And that's what we're going to see here today as Paul and Barnabas venture into their very first missionary journey. And this is what we're going to see. We're not going to highlight it every single week, but just make sure that you keep it in the back of your mind. We are going to see this dynamic of them sharing the gospel and them being opposed by the devil all through the book of Acts. And the same thing can be said for your life and my life. As we shine the light of Christ with our lives, we are going to be opposed by the devil because these things are happening simultaneously. You can't build something new without tearing down the old. And so this morning, I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 13, and then we're going to start right here in verse 4. And as we go through these things, you're actually going to see I've given you plenty of maps, and, and we'll, we'll look at some of those things today. But this is a great time. I know many of you, like myself, I use my phone as my Bible. This is great to have a real Bible, you know, a real paper Bible, because you get the good maps that are in the back. So I want to encourage you uh, to use those. But let's start right here in, in verse 4. It says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. We're going to put this map up here on the screen. So they've got, they're in Antioch, and we've been talking about that for weeks on end. So they're in Antioch, and then they go down to Seleucia. Now, Seleucia, that's, that's where the main port is. If, if, you, if you were to talk about our, our New Orleans airport, is the New Orleans airport actually in New Orleans? It's not, right? Where is it? in Kenner. That's exactly right. Okay. So just kind of get that idea. You can kind of put two and two together. So the port of Antioch was actually just a few miles away in Seleucia. All right. So they're going out, they're going to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. Okay. So you got the island of Cyprus and you can see that actually on the back of your notes right there. And, and it talks about this. Arriving in Salamis, that's on the east side of Cyprus, they proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues, and they also had John as their assistant. So you've got, you've got Saul, and then you've got Barnabas, and Barnabas, who is known as the son of encouragement, that's what the apostles uh, called him. His real name was Joseph. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we actually find out this island of Cyprus is Barnabas' hometown. This is where he grew up. And so what a great way. Paul says, well, hey, how about we go to your hometown and we'll check this thing out. You know, uh, Barnabas was a Jew. He comes from the line of, of Levi. And so here they are. Let's, let's go there. And so it talks about them arriving in Salamis. And then they start going into the Jewish synagogues. Now, this is something that's going to be common all throughout the missionary journeys of Paul. When he goes into a city, he's going to go to their Jewish synagogues first. Nine times out of ten, they're going to throw him out. And then he's going to go to the Gentiles in that area area. And so here it says that he's there and he also had John as their assistant. Now this is John Mark. I don't know if you remember way back when we were talking in chapter 12 as Peter uh, is let out, of, well let out, he is miraculously let out of prison and there are folks that are praying for him. Remember he knocks on the door and they don't believe that it's him. That was at John Mark's house. 
Okay, so we find that out in Acts chapter 12. And so in this time, they're going to bring John Mark on with them as their assistant. Now, we'll find out a little bit more about that next week, that some things kind of go awry. But then in verse 6, it says, When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Well, that's weird. We're going to talk a little bit about that in just a second. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, the proconsul, that, that word doesn't really resonate with me. I didn't grow up in, you know, this, this type of government. But how about the word governor? Okay, so he's the proconsul. He's the governor of the entire island. All right, so here they are, and he's wanting to hear what they have to say. And, but, but then we've got Elymas, who is trying to oppose them. And then in verse 9, it says, Saul, who is also called Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name, okay? Also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elymas and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You son of the devil and enemy of all that is right, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? When I read that to myself, I was like, man, he's really getting him with the love of Jesus. You know, you know I thought, this is a weird dynamic. You know, we, we, we usually think when we share our faith with someone, you know, we got to be smooth, we got to be calm, all that kind of stuff. What's going on here? Well, we're going to see that here in just a second. So he's talking about you are, you know, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Verse 11, now look, the Lord's hand is against you. And you're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then, when he saw what happened, the proconsul, the governor of the whole island, believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. They had walked across the whole island. This is a 90-mile trek. So they're talking with the Jews, and then they get over to the other side of the island, and they have this experience and I think for us that there are some very uh, three things that I really think that we can learn from this okay a life on mission because that's what I want my life to be on mission I want your life to be on mission I want our church to be on mission but there are some real principles that we need to look at this morning that that are so vital to this a life on mission write this down number one takes discernment it takes discernment so we look in in, in verse 6 again, it says, when they, when they had traveled the whole island, that 90 miles, as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, this is weird. I don't care how you cut this. This is weird. Now, we know that, that the word Bar right there, that just means son of. But then you've got Jesus, Okay, or in Hebrew, uh, or in, in Greek during that time, Jesus, which comes from the, he, uh, the Hebrew Yeshua, Joshua, okay? This was a common name. We call people Joshua all the time, and we don't think anything about it, okay? We don't think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm inevitably calling this person Jesus as well. We use the name Joshua. Jesus was a very common name in that time. They meant the same thing. So it was a, it was a common name. And so here, you've got this guy. He's 
Jewish. He's Jewish. His background isn't some Greek pagan, you know, that, you know, he didn't come from a pagan family. And his heritage, listen to me, this man's heritage is Israel. I mean, God's chosen people, you know, dating all the way back to Abraham. Nevertheless, don't miss this. He is a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. He's a sorcerer in a high position. He is an advisor to the governor, the proconsul of the entire island. And you and I, I want you to hear this. We are called to do God's work. We are, but we have to be very careful of folks who might call themselves maybe even believers in Christ, and they're a phony. We have to be discerning. There are many people who would say, Jesus is my savior. There are many people who will talk about Jesus. Yeah, I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he was resurrected from the dead. They, they believe those things. But at the, at the same time, they are so counterfeit it, that, that we have to be discerning with this. Let, let me give you a great, a great examples. I think many of us would know, but I just want to reiterate this morning, that that includes folks like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. They will use the same terminology, Jesus we need to have our sins forgiven. We'll talk about Jesus dying on the cross, all of those things. Well, Mormons believe that Jesus and the devil were once brothers. Mormons believe that we were all once spirit babies living on the planet Kolob and that we have a salvation by works. They believe that Joseph Smith is the prophet received a revelation from the angel Moroni. Did you know any of that? See, they can talk a big game. But when you get down into it and you start learning, you go, that is not the gospel I know at all. We have to be discerning. Salvation by works. They don't believe it's a salvation by grace. What about Jehovah's Witnesses? Jehovah's Witnesses also believe in a salvation by works. They believe that Jesus was a good and even a perfect man, but they do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe in the deity of Christ. In addition, they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is God. In fact, they remove the word the. Later on here, we're going to see how Saul in verse 9, it says that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. If you take their translation of the Bible, their mistranslation of the Bible, the New World Translation, they take out the the. And they say that Paul is filled with Holy Spirit. Almost like the, the force, if you're into Star Wars or something like that. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's just this force. It's, it's this thing. And, okay? and so Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in the same Holy Spirit or the same Jesus that we do. But man, they can use the terminology. And so I want us to be able to think about that. Televangelists mailing you holy water or green rags in the mail or telling you how that you can be infinitely rich all of those things those are in direct contrast to what we see in the scriptures where Jesus looks at someone and says you know birds birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes in the ground but the son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head if if being rich is a byproduct of following God then let me tell you Jesus was the furthest from God wasn't he so we have to be discerning even if people can use some of the same terminology. And it's good for us to know these things, and I've mentioned those. And, but let me just talk to you real quick and give you a great example. 
My wife used to work at a bank before uh, she became a, a counselor and started going to school for counseling. And certainly they have to know some things about counterfeit dollar bills. And, and they have to know, you know, different strategies that people would use in order to counterfeit something. But do you know the best way to tell a counterfeit? The best way to tell a counterfeit is by being around something that's real. And so for you and I, when you are in God's word daily, when you're praying daily, when you're, when you're around the truth daily, when you're coming to church and you're raising your family in the truth, let me tell you something. You don't have to know all the little details of what is counterfeit and what is phony. Let me tell you, when you're around the truth and you start hearing something, little red flags will go up in your spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you and he'll say, that's not the truth. You need to be careful. In the same way that the Apostle Paul gets around this guy who could talk a big game and came from the same, uh, you know, lineage and history as the nation of Israel. And nevertheless, he gets in this place where he says, that's, you're, you're not, this is not the same history that we have. And so ministers, sometimes uh, we have those red flags. I, I've been around folks who, who could talk a big game, but they were addicted to drugs or they were having an affair or they had an anger problem. And I didn't know any of those things, but there was something going on in my spirit. I said, something is just not right. And so you and I have to be sensitive. Now notice I say sensitive and not paranoid, okay? We have to be sensitive to what we know is the truth of the word of God and listen to God's promptings, okay? So important, okay? So if we're going to live a life on mission, we've got to have discernment. Number two. Okay, write this down. A life on mission takes determination. Look with me in verse 7 and 8. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. Isn't that good? You know, we got a lot of people in our lives that don't want to hear the word of God. Isn't it great when you have someone that says, tell me about your faith? It's like low-hanging fruit. You're like, yes, this is so easy. They're asking me. And so they've got him here. And so they're, they're talking with him. But then uh, Elemas, the sorcerer, he, he begins to oppose them. And what we have here, this is so neat. We actually have extra biblical um, um, documents that actually talk about this particular proconsul. We, we have found documents, we have found places, and so we know that this actually happened, that he was actually there at the time, and, and it tells us that he's an intelligent Roman. He, he is, uh, he's a governor here, and he's interested in new philosophies and religious beliefs. I mean, obviously, he, he keeps a sorcerer, you know, on, a, on his side. So he's, he's interested in these things. He keeps this advisor here. And so he showed that he has some interest in Judaism, even though he's not Jewish. And so Paul and Barnabas appear to him to be two more Jewish teachers from whom he can learn about the Jewish faith. But Elemas tries to oppose them and deter the proconsul from hearing their message. And, and, and so I just want to ask us, can we bring this home a little bit? How many times are we deterred from sharing our faith because we didn't want to stir the pot? 
See, here, here's what happens. Paul and Barnabas, they get in there and they realize this guy is, is opposing us. He's trying to keep the proconsul from, from hearing the word of God. And so, so, so they are determined. They're not just going to quit. And as I read this, I said, how many times have I said, you know what? Yeah, this is too hard. Saul and Barnabas could have said, this really isn't going anywhere. Maybe I can give you an example that just kind of really brings this home. You know, we're kind of in, we're in football season right now, and there's um, an opportunity that in football games from time to time, we see a coach reach into his back pocket, and he throws a red flag on the field. Now, you know what I'm talking about. He's contesting when that happens. He is contesting what the referee maybe did or did not see, okay? And so he is contesting that. He's saying, nope, that's not what happened. And he takes that flag out and he throws it on the field. And you and I, you have you ever been watching the game? Yes, you have, okay? You've watched that game and you've been yelling at the TV because, you know, you've got the replay. You've got the replay. And what are you doing when, when, when you see that replay and you say, no, that's not what happened? I mean, you're, for me, if you're in the house of me, you know, you might be jumping up and down. You might be saying, throw that flag. That's not what happened. Throw that flag. I wonder, you know, Hebrews talks about a, a cloud of witnesses in heaven. I wonder if there is a cloud of witnesses, not, of course, watching a TV, but watching our lives saying, that's not right. That's not right. Don't give up. You stay determined. Don't you let the let, don't you let it go to the next play. You'll miss the opportunity. Throw your spiritual red flag. You contest that. You contest that. You stay determined. This person hasn't heard the gospel yet and you have the opportunity to tell him. Here Saul throws the red flag. He sees that there's an opportunity. That a proconsul, he sees that this governor's heart is tender and he wants to hear more about Christ. And Paul says, I'm throwing the flag on you, Elemas. You've committed a penalty and I am not going to gloss over it I want to encourage you as you go throughout your week starting tomorrow don't let the devil say okay well you don't don't say anything well the opportunity it might come later no 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 you throw that red flag on the devil and you stay determined you say I might not ever get this play again I need to do it right here right now let's stay determined if we're going to be on mission and then the final thing that I just want to talk to you very briefly about this morning is that a life on mission takes being direct now this is this seems odd to me this is this is like Jesus being in the temple throwing stuff around all right Jesus uh, doing those things and so here we have Paul being direct look, look with me just one more time in verse 9 it says but Saul also called Paul filled with the Holy Spirit stared straight at Elymas and he said you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery you son of the devil an enemy of all that is right won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord now look the Lord's hand is against you and you are going to be blind and will not see the Sun for a time I love what John MacArthur said about this he said he said leading someone to Christ is not just some merely academic exercise it is not a matter of making a successful sales pitch. Rather, it involves all-out war against the forces of hell. Have you ever thought about that? 
Maybe you're thinking, I'm just trying to share my faith with this person. But you don't realize, remember that simultaneous tearing down that, as he talks about, an all-out war against the forces of hell. And, and this is why, just going back to Ephesians chapter 6, talking about spiritual warfare, Paul says, let, let, let's put this on the screen. We need to see this. So he's walked through spiritual warfare. He's gone through the armor of God. And then we get to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 19. And, and Paul says, pray for me that the message may be given when I open my mouth. Listen to this. To make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for i am an ambassador in chains pray that i be listen to this be bold enough to speak as i should bold enough and he actually wrote this after this missionary journey so this was a constant thing that he was asking for the folks to pray for pray for my boldness Pray for me that I wouldn't stop being direct. Not mean, but direct. Because I know that that person's not my enemy. The devil is my enemy. Sometimes, listen to me, Satan's greatest attacks against us isn't to sin in some horrible way and blow our witness. Although that is part of his strategy, to sin and to blow our witness. Sometimes... Satan's greatest strategy in our life is just to get us to be quiet about our faith, to get us to be discouraged about our faith, to get us to think that we don't know enough to talk about anyone. You know, that, and, and so for us to be able to say, you know what, I, I, I don't have that form of spirituality. I, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And we've got to realize that enough is enough. Yes, I'm called to share the love of Christ. Yes, I'm called to share the grace of Christ, but I'm also called, listen to me, to battle for the souls of men and women. There's a scene from Braveheart. Some of y'all have seen that that, come, that came to my mind this week. If, if you've ever seen Braveheart, I'm not going to show it to you this morning just for the sake of time. But in the Battle of Sterling, there's two armies on opposing hills, if you've ever seen the movie. And the English are on one side and the Scottish are on the other. And so of the Scottish, the nobles ride out to discuss the terms with the English. And so the English are going to come out and they're going to try to get these, these nobles to compromise so that they don't have to go into a fight. And they're going to offer them, we're going to give you estates. We'll give you estates in this city, in this city, and we'll, you know, yeah, you'll have to pay some taxes on those estates, but, but man, we're going to build up your wealth, and it, it's, it's going to be great. And then you have William Wallace that comes out, and, and, and he, he begins to ride out that way. And, and one of his friends looks at him, yells at him, he says, he says, where are you going? Do you remember what he says? He says, I'm going to pick a fight. I'm going to pick a fight. Because all of the others wanted to compromise. But he said, there's no compromise in this situation. When it comes to the souls of men, there's no compromise. And in that for us, every day for us is picking a fight with the devil. Notice how the Apostle Paul didn't do it in his own power. He listened to the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't go off on, on Elemas in his flesh. I need you to understand that. He spoke in the power of the Spirit. I don't want you to come away from this sermon today and think, okay, I could say whatever I want on social media and just let somebody have it because that's what the Apostle Paul did. No, that's your flesh. 
Okay, we got to know the difference by being led by the Spirit and being led by the flesh. There's a huge difference. Don't you say that I told you to go out there and let off on people, okay? He was filled by the Spirit of Almighty God. He had God's power in him, and it was God's power in him and through him that won Sergius to the real Jesus. We have a lost and dying world that is sick. We have to be discerning. We have to be determined. And as the Spirit leads, we have to be direct.